Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. We are the podcast that always gives you an A for effort. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, deputy editor. And on today's show, we've got our gardening New Year's resolutions, your January jobs on the plot. But first, we've got the legend of the RHS, Mr. Guy Barter. Hi, Guy. Hi, Guy. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm well, thank you very much. Good. Um, Now, I don't know if you've heard this podcast before, but basically we want to get down into, you know, those things that have gone wrong on the plot, any sort of disasters that you've had, any funny things that have happened on the plot. But we Mm. always like to start gently. Um, So can you tell us about your biggest gardening success over the years? Biggest gardening success over the years? Well, (laughs) I suppose... um, this year has got to be the best year I've had for quite a while. That's I garden it. here in Surrey, and um, Surrey has got a, a very sandy soil, and unless you've got a wet year, it's really difficult to grow good stuff because it all dries up in July. Early crops, no problem. Later crops are very difficult. But this year, we had terrific rain in June, mm. and that's an excellent thing for Surrey because we're normally I just have to watch everything sort of wilt because you just can't water things enough of a watering mm-hmm. can. Um, this year they carried on growing right the way through until September. So um, this year has been an excellent year. Mind you, last year was a better year for things that love heat. It was so hot here in the drought of 2018, had wonderful sweet corn, pumpkins and squash. Um, This year the pumpkins and squash and sweet corn were not quite as good, Mm. but the uh, things like potatoes and carrots, for example, um, were much better than they usually are. That's one of the exciting things about growing, isn't it? You never know year to year what's going to be what's going to be the big thing that year. No, it's surprising how it differs. I used to live in the West Country, and I longed for a dry year because <laughs> most years it's wet and there was lots of blight and downy mildew and lots of weeds. Um, now I live in the east side of the country, as I expect you find. Um, you long for a wet year. Yes. <laughs> it stays on the watering. How different do you think it gets across the country? Because it is, it can be really different from one end of the UK to the other, can't it? It can be very different. There's a north-south divide, of course, in gardening, round about rugby. North of that, um, things that need a lot of warmth become much more difficult to grow, like squash and sweet corn, outdoor cucumbers, mm-hmm. um, outdoor tomatoes. And then the south of that line, things are much easier. But when you're in the west... Um, It's surprising how much less light there is and how much lower the average temperatures are, um, which makes a big difference. And when you're in the east, um, it's surprising how much warmer it is, particularly at night. Um, And this is especially true if you live in built-up areas like London. Mm. Um, You get a lot higher night temperatures, and that makes a very great difference. Bringing it back to what you were saying about um, your sandy soil, what would you say is your biggest tip if there's anyone listening who maybe has just taken on a new garden and has got sandy soil and doesn't really know what to do with it well there's three things really it's organic matter organic matter and organic matter (laughs) so as much manure and compost as you can lay your hands on in my garden I try and manure two years out of three Um, and I put at least a bucket full of manure or compost per square meter and where I garden there's lots of Italian landscape contractors and they make huge compost heaps of leaves at this time of year 
and lawn mowing for the rest of the year and they use heroic quantities of organic matter <laughs> and their crops need no fertilizer they need little watering um but i'm not having access to a lorry and lots of people's gardens to scrape stuff up from i have to buy compost and manure so i have to have to be a little more miserly with it yeah yeah, that's one of the problems, isn't it? If you don't have the have the stuff easily to hand. There is one other thing that uh, gardeners can do, and that's called growing cover crops or green manures. Yeah. And, uh, any, I've hardly got a square meter of unplanted ground at the moment because anything that's not planted with Brussels sprouts or sprouting broccoli, things like that, yeah. um, is covered in either oats or in Italian ryegrass. And on a on this um, in in these southern areas, that will grow all winter, yeah. and make a huge difference to the amount of organic matter in the soil. Um, and the seeds are not that expensive, and uh, it's um, it's something certainly worth experimenting with. And when's the best time to get that in? Then when should you be planting? Well, the best time. That's an excellent point you've made there, Blake, because the best time is the second week in August. But of course, most of us are still harvesting lots of nice things in the yeah. second week of August. In fact, <laughs> we're harvesting nice things for the second week in October. Yeah. Um, so all too often, you can't get the cover crop in until October or even in November. And that's where the ryegrass comes in. The seed is ever so cheap if you buy 10, kilo, 10 kilograms um, and spread it with a, a, a generous hand and it comes up quite quickly. And it's uh, highly nutritious because you can see on my garden, the deer come along and they um, very much like to graze the ryegrass. You know, the ryegrass has been bred to feed cows and sheep, and so yeah. it's full of sugar and protein. The deer know this, so they graze my um, my ryegrass. I don't mind that, as long as they don't start grazing my raspberries. We need lots of droppings behind <laughs> Have you had much of a problem with that, or do they tend to sort of leave your leave your crops alone? No deer are an absolute menace. Um, <laughs> there's some things like beetroot I can only grow under netting. Yeah. Uh, so um, no, the deer are a complete menace. Does that keep them out then? The netting will, will keep deers out? Oh, yes, it will. Yes, yes. And it's just um, bird netting, uh, which mm-hmm. has, when the beetroot isn't growing, I use it on the soft fruit and things like that. So, um, so yes, the deer are a nuisance, but um, there's nothing you can do about them. You can hardly go done the shooting things in suburban Surrey that wouldn't go down <laughs> at all well no I mean we um our group editor was actually saying that on her allotment she has some problems with badges so she yes. was saying that um badger proofing was a was a big thing there and I think that can prove quite difficult because they're quite sort of rowdy on the plot as well aren't they <laughs> that's right I used to live in a town called Shaftesbury in Dorsetshire and, Dor- and Shaftesbury is a hilltop town on a big lump of green sand and the badgers tunnel under the town in the green sand and it's really difficult to grow a carrot in, in Shaftesbury. People have their carrot plots armoured with um, corrogated iron and um, link, chain link fencing to keep them out. Oh, they are powerful diggers and have a keen fondness for a sweet carrot at some times a year. So obviously as, as chief horticulturalist at the RHS, I doubt there are many times where you do things that are wrong or you've had failures on the plot, but we want to know which ones have happened. Well, you say that, Blake, but uh, the thing is, I'm, I'm, if you're interested in gardening, you're often a very um, experimental, questing um, disposition. So you try things that um, yeah. perhaps more sensible people wouldn't try. 
Uh, <laughs> just just to see how it works. And that can sometimes yeah, work out okay, can't it? Because then you find new ways of doing things, but obviously it can work out okay. Yeah, it can work out okay. I'm just trying to think. Of, I do have my own sunny ways. Um, <laughs> um, for example, I mean, I always grow brassicas on a kind of pattern, like the dice on the five side of a on the on the five side of a dice. Um, right. so you have them on a kind of pattern, so mixing in Brussels sprouts and um, calabrese and cauliflowers and the calabrese and cauliflowers should but don't always crop before the Brussels sprouts get too big and um, so um, that's always quite fun as well you end up giving the Brussels sprouts more room than they need perhaps um, just to accommodate the calabrese and the cauliflowers so um, that doesn't sound like a failure that sounds like another success (laughs) (laughs) well I don't know. It all depends. I mean, you know, you have to be fairly, um, fairly critical. Would it be better just to have them in separate blocks, or ease of yes. looking after? I don't know. Um, I, but anyway, um, something I'm still working on. Often, I end up with cauliflowers the size of a fifty pence piece because they've got smothered <laughs> by the Brussels sprouts, and sometimes they end up with a decent cauliflower. So um, there we are. So, have there been any of your sort of any things that you've trialed and then they've sort of gone really wrong that stick out in your mind or anything that's happened that sort of would be a funny story for the listeners oh I mean so many things um go wrong I think one of the things is that uh I tend like everyone who's keen in gardening I tend to try and do too much yeah. and if you do too much you end up with things or things going going wrong so um this year I was foolishly went on holiday in in June <laughs> um so my uh brush, my, my autumn cauliflower so I find really difficult I went in a bit late, so they're still rather small. Um, whereas if I hadn't gone on holiday and stayed at home like a proper gardener, I could have put <laughs> my cauliflowers in a bit earlier. But it's really difficult. I'm looking for cauliflowers that um, head in November yeah. and early December. Mm-hmm. I can grow cauliflowers in October without a problem, but that, that November-December period is really difficult. I've been trying for years to, to reliably produce 10 cauliflowers in that period (laughs) and I find it terribly difficult. Um, Holidays are definitely one of those things that gardeners, it's a struggle for gardeners isn't it because that's you know the traditional summer holiday is usually the time when everything everything in the garden's going on isn't it? That's right Um, I suppose that uh, August bank holidays aren't too bad because you've planted everything up and it's all growing you have a good old harvest and pop it in the freezer or whatever before you go or you leave your neighbour to gather it. But having a holiday in June um, is really very, very bad. But, um, but um, unfortunately, through various family things, uh, June is often the only time we can get away. So that's the time when you should be weeding and sowing and thinning. <laughs> <laughs> you have a, a fevered weekend before you fill the car with stuff and drive off. I tend when I'm sowing and planting in the spring to try and schedule things for the week before or the week after from I'm on holidays. But of course, it doesn't always work because uh, every season is different. So bringing things around to the sort of little, you know, little gardening shortcuts you might have or little tips and tricks you've picked up over the years. Are there any gardening shortcuts that you use that you might not read about, say, in gardening textbooks, but that really works for you every year? Um, one of the things, the thing that's really changed my gardening, absolutely revolutionised it, um, is biodegradable mulching sheets. Right. And uh, with sandy soil, you tend to get a lot of annual weeds. You, lots of, you get far more annual weeds than you do on 
um, clay soil. And over the years, my allotment has uh, built up a fearful number of annual weeds. But uh, planting through this biodegradable mulch absolutely stops the weeds. So things that are normally are absolute demons to keep free of weeds, like onions and shallots and um, strawberries, are uh, a breeze to keep free of weeds. And at the end of the season, you just rake the mulch up and put it in the compost pit, and that's the end of it. And there's no guilt of taking plastics to the dump and this sort of thing, which is all rather horrible. So um, that's something that's really revolutionised my garden. I used to spend um, weekend after weekend hands and knees of a trowel and glove test in a bucket, pulling out weeds. Um, it's got to be done, and the little weeding, of course, is all part of the fun of gardening. But when it gets, when it becomes a, a chore, especially in the wet summer, um, it's very difficult. Um, we still have to weed some things like carrots and parsnips. They're always uh, tricky. For, well, parsnips are not so bad because they've got nice big leaves. But um, I don't think there's a gardener tricky. in the country that wouldn't want another way of suppressing the weeds. To be honest, so I think well, that's a good tip. Yeah, I think, uh, yes. I mean, also, I think that it's. I've worked in commercial horticulture and it does a better job than the herbicides that commercial horticulturists use that aren't sold to gardeners. And I think it's not much more expensive. So um, I expect it to be taken up by commercial growers more and more. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there um, the annual weeds. Do you have any tips for the listeners about getting on top of perennial weeds? Because I know sometimes they can be a real a real challenge for people. Yes, they can be. I mean, if you've been to Wisley, you won't. You might well have seen quite a lot of bindweed in the beds and borders. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe ten years ago, we had a really big scheme of planting up lots more borders, and it all became rather a lot of work for the garden staff to maintain. And as a result, bindweed got in there. There's a bit of bindweed. If you're quick, you can winkle it out with your trowel. But after a while, um, it builds up. So a number of things that um, we've done, and I've done in my own garden too. Uh, For example, some borders are just so horrible that they've just been grassed down. Um, And so then the mower and the lawn weed killers take care of any bindweed. And at some stage, you can go back into a border and it'll be a a weed-free border. And then they've also done fallow season. So there's some areas of uh, borders um, this year that uh, they've left fallow and then with the use of fork and weed killer got rid of all the bindweed so it's ready to plant. Um, I think in the garden I wouldn't waste so much space. I would put down a, a, a reusable black plastic sheet, cover it with some gravel or bark and stand my containers on it and then yeah. let the bindweed die away to nothing under the plastic. Yeah. So um that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, of course, persistence. We get a lot of talk about horsetail um, in our advisory service, and horsetail is a demon. Yeah. Um, and sometimes horsetail, you can get rid of You can just have to grass it down, let the mower take care of it. Sometimes, because horsetail can't cope with shade, if you make a shrub planting there, it'll squeeze out the horsetail. Yeah. And um, in, vegetable, in vegetable gardens, you can... Uh, if you sow the rows straight, top dress the vegetables with a good dose of fertilizer so they outgrow the um, horsetail and you can wield your hoe and uh, within a year or two you can knock them back to negligible levels. Uh, so perennial weeds uh, can be addressed by thinking about their weak spots. So finally, before we finish up, if there was one lesson that you've learned in your time gardening that you could give to somebody that's starting out for the first time this year, what would it be? Um, it would be that um, everybody has things that don't go right. 
If you're lucky enough yeah. to have things that go right in your first year, um, then you're going to be disappointed next year. But, <laughs> That's um, so true. But, uh, everything is so. Um, I remember just trying to think. Maybe I grow thirty or forty different crops. Thirty of them will do very well. Ten of them will disappoint me. Something like mm. that. I think the thing is to do a reasonable number of things and expect a few to fail, uh, but uh, taking notice about have another go next year. Yeah, I think that's the lovely thing. There's always next year, isn't there? And also, there's so much more to the act of gardening and being outside and everything than just getting the crops at the end of it as well. Although that's good too. <laughs> now, the, the process um, the process is, of course, uh, very important too. And it starts right now with the, the planning and the buying of the seeds and the things you're going to need and getting the ground ready. Um, so uh, I have to say that by October, I'm usually ready for a break, but uh, <laughs> I had a break for six weeks or so now and I'm ready to go again. Ready and raring to go with the new season. That's right. Thanks very much for talking to us, Guy. It's been great to chat with you. My pleasure. And we will now head over for our team talk. So a big thank you to Guy for coming on. And now we're joined by our editorial assistant, Rose. Hi, guys. Hi, Rose. Hi. So I realised that I know it's a little bit late, but we forgot to talk about New Year's resolutions. So I was Ooh. wondering whether there's anything that you both do or want to do differently this year. Well, I usually do try to set some in January, but around about now, they do start to go downhill. <laughs> um, but this year, no, I'm, they're going good. I'm sticking to them. Cool. Yeah, probably quite similar over here. You know, you start with good intentions mm-hmm. and see how it pans out. And how about goes you? Downhill. Yeah, I don't really bother that much, but I have been thinking about what I'm going to do in the garden differently this year. Yes. And my main one is only buy seeds that you're actually going to use, Blake. Stop buying <laughs> every seed packet and new variety oh, you come no. across and then just stockpiling them. <laughs> It's just so tempting, isn't it, though, to just keep on buying them. You know, I'm just obsessed. I'm like, new variety. Haven't seen this. I'm just going to buy it just in case I want to grow it. And then I never do because I don't have that much space. It's not a bad addiction. Get an allotment. That's true. I could get an allotment. Or more storage. Or more storage. Or both. Or both, yeah. And that will solve probably clarify what that means. You're growing upwards in. Yeah, so I have a vertical grower. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have much room to grow in. So I have to be very careful about what I'm going to grow. And essentially this year, I think the other New Year's resolution is grow more garden peas because I love eating them and I love eating them raw. My nan grew peas this year and they were delicious. So. Mm, so good I can't describe how much I love eating fresh peas have any of us ever grown peas that have actually made it back to the kitchen though I've never (laughs) ever cooked ones that I've grown myself I always just eat them straight from the plant it's the best way they just taste better straight from the plant I think so those are my news resolutions in the garden I don't know what you've got um I would say mine is probably do some pruning okay because I'm not a hugely confident pruner, I'm not ashamed to say. And <laughs> I'm I live in constant fear of accidentally killing my fig tree now that it's <laughs> actually started fruiting. At last. Yeah. How long um, has it been? About five years. Okay. I remember how excited <laughs> you were when it um when it fruited and you brought the fruit the figs in to show us. <laughs> yeah. Magical moment. Oh God, nothing has ever tasted so good. <laughs> um but yeah, I need to actually 
do some proper pruning on that this year because it's a beast and it's taking over the garden. And also um, my miniature raspberry and currant beds, they need some serious tending to. And I tend to find that because I'm not a very confident pruner, I sort of go out there and do a bit of snipping. It does feel like a bit of a minefield. As somebody that doesn't have a fruit tree, I, I'm just like, where do you start? Yeah. Are you doing too like much? A, a Are you not job. doing enough? Yeah, because I've always sort of been more of a, well, not more of a veg grower, but, you know, you don't have to worry about all that kind of thing. And then yeah. this tree, and then it's taken so long to, possibly because I haven't been pruning it properly. But um, It would be really annoying if you now ruin your crop for next year by well, not doing it right. I had wondered about taking a cutting from it so that then if I do kill it, at least there's a plan up. B. So, but I mean, if any <laughs> listeners have got any good pruning tips, please do send them in because, nice. yeah, on our social media accounts. Mine is similar to Blake's in the sense that I do want to grow something different this year. I really want to grow Swiss chard because I haven't grown mm-hmm. Swiss chard before. Or I've probably okay. got some um, seed packets for you oh. that I can lend you. <laughs> if you do, then please send them my way because especially rainbow chard, I'm after that. Um and also raised beds. I really want to put in a raised bed because I don't have any. And I, all I do is read about the benefits of them, about how it helps with back pain and you can grow more things and that they're less susceptible to pests and diseases. So um, I really want to maximise my space and get some raised beds. So that's my 2020 resolution. Mm. Let us know how it goes. Well, I'll take some photos and then yeah. send them over. I do actually have a story here for you that might help you maximise your space, depending on what you're fancying growing. (laughs) Um, I found an article on the Independent website about crevice gardens. Okay. I know we're probably all familiar with the idea of rock gardens. Yeah. But apparently crevice gardens are the... The new thing. Yeah, the I guess the big brother new of that. New thing for the new decade. Yeah. Um, they are, it says here that they are typically formed um, from slabs of stone set vertically. Okay. So you don't actually need that big of a footprint to grow upwards, if you see what I mean. And then the plants grow in the crevices between the slabs. It's a good use of space. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think the plants that you can grow in there are not your... Not say, your average you allotment yeah. fodder. Are they edibles? Can you grow <coughs> edibles in there? You may. I guess you may be able to grow some Leafy of the sort of herbs and stuff yeah. in there, maybe. Oh, I yeah. think you probably can't sort of, you know... Giant tomatoes <laughs> or anything. Stick a, <laughs> stick a few Brussels sprouts in there or yeah. anything. But, um, yeah, it's um, made a really interesting read, and I think it's always good to find new oh, ways definitely. of growing and utilizing space you've got someone um in my town actually does a similar thing they have um stone steps leading up to their house and they grow daisies and um flowers in the little sort of crevices oh. in between the oh. stairs and it's really pretty so, so i'm not sure if it'll look like it now because um it's winter and not um beautiful summer time <laughs> yeah. so yeah no <laughs> i think yeah maximizing your space that's as much as you can so it's yeah. good idea. and more food for the bees <laughs> um so I have one that's also related to sustainability, and that is a story from the RHS Chelsea Flower Show 2020, so this year, um, that climate change is set to take centre stage. Oh, oh wow. I know, yeah. Which means that most of the main show gardens will have an element of looking at climate change about how we can grow in a way that will help to 
um, help to tackle it really. So um, I know the Facebook garden's getting involved and... Um, the also, Facebook garden? Yeah, there's a Facebook garden sponsored by Facebook that oh, cool. is there. Oh. I think they were there last year. Um, and Hugo Bog and Charlotte Harris, who often design that. Um, we'll definitely focus on growing for cities, so like mm. maximising green space in cities, which I think is important so i really love how chelsea really pioneers the way on these things yeah. and they pick a theme and they run with it yeah i mean this yeah. trend has been going on for a while but it's good that it's that it's still here yeah because they had that um the garden with ikea last year didn't yeah they? that was oh, yeah. really great and sort innovative hydroponics kind of yeah they're looking after our future which is always good they to are. know and we, we had, had a great yeah. the future time, in the new we? decade <laughs> yeah i can't wait to go again this year mm, me yeah. too it was so good it better be sunny i hope so <laughs> yeah comfortable yeah, shoes yeah sunglasses and raincoat just hey in fever case. tablets oh yeah don't forget that don't forget <laughs> that, i always yeah. forget that about hay fever when it's winter i forget that it's going to happen again each year <laughs> You sort of like lulled into a false sense <laughs> yeah. that you're going to be fine. And yeah. then maybe one year you just, it will disappear. I don't know. Maybe that is meant to you happen. Didn't, you never used to suffer. And then all of a sudden you said so. I'm sure that's a problem for lots of gardeners that they must do in the summer around all their flowers and everything. Yeah. Anyway, as we always say, the magazine won't write itself. So we'd better get back to our desks and hand over to Chris Collins from the Organic Gardening Catalogue for his organic tip of the week. Well, I can't wait to get growing those little quick crops that I love in my salad bowl, the rocket, the spinach. I love all those plants and I want to get going on them as quick as I can. So one tip I use is I put down some fleece very early in the spring, late winter to warm that soil up to make sure it's a little bit warmer. Then I can come along, drill, sow those plants into that, put the fleece back and I'm up and I've got a salad bar before I know it. That's all for my tip for the week. And now over to Jobs on the Plot. It might be cold and wet in the garden in January, but it's a good time to get ahead with some general housekeeping on the plot. Get your pots ready for sowing by giving them a good scrub out with some warm soapy water and check them for any damage. It's also a good idea to make sure you've got everything you need for sowing, compost, trays, propagator, tools, and of course, your seeds. You'll want to keep your compost heap happy and warm by cladding it with cardboard. The reason for this is that the decomposition process can be slowed down by the cold. It isn't all prep work though. If you're lucky enough to have a heated greenhouse, you can start sowing some crops that need a longer season such as aubergines or chilli peppers now. If you don't have a heated greenhouse or a heated propagator though, it's best to hold off for now. You can scratch that growing itch with some sprouted seeds or microgreens. This can be done quite simply in a little tray on a windowsill somewhere in your house. Massive thanks again to RHS Chief Horticulturalist and all-round gardening guru Guy Barter for chatting to us. It was great to hear about his gardening challenges and successes. Till next time, happy growing! Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. 
They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6 and every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.